welcome back to another episode of You and I for the Kenai. I'm here with Cobran today. Eric's uh, Eric's in class right now. I think he's either learning about behavioral neuroscience or um, I don't know. I don't remember what his other class was this morning, but I'm sure it was something eloquent and long and lengthy. So, but yeah, so we're missing him today. Pierre is also gone. She's got like other things to do, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> she has a life or whatever. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> but most importantly, we're here with Andrew today. Andrew's here to tell us uh, his, a little bit about himself and his recovery story today. Andrew, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. And we were talking about the fair earlier. He's, uh-huh. Andrew's disappointed doesn't get to go see Shine Down. I heard you dropping some knowledge on Kobe uh, about music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You like music? I do. Is that, like, your thing? Like, mm-hmm. like, when people ask, like, what does Andrew like? They're like, music. Yes. That guy likes music. What kind of music do you like? I like any kind of music that comes to me, like, classic, hard rock, rap, R&Bs, like, any kind of music. Nice, man. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, back on track here. So, <laughs> where are you from, man? I'm from Ninano, and I moved here in August. In August, where's mm-hmm. Ninanu? Between Anchorage and Fairbanks. Okay, so from the interior. How'd you end up over here? I had a roommate that was a user, and my mom was taking action, and she wanted me to move here. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Speaking of, um, so did you live with your mom growing up? I did. You did? In Ninanu? Yes. So... I've never actually heard of Nanana ever in my life. We played against them in high school basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember playing against a team. What's uh, yeah, what's Nanana like? What's is is it uh, what size is it? It's like Kenai Soldana or maybe more like it's Nanelchik size or it's pretty small. It, pretty small compared to here. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So you think there's like maybe a thousand people there? Maybe. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so what was it like growing up in a small town from your experience? That's small. It's pretty small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like I get to learn stuff from my culture, from my family, friends, like cutting wood, mm-hmm. helping out elders, mm-hmm. passing out food in this potlatch. Nice. Pretty much all kind of things that my culture does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what is your culture necessarily? I'm... Full NATO, full Indian, half Eximo, and full Indian. Yeah. Um, so what was your childhood like growing up? What did you like to do? What were some of your favorite activities as a kid? Some of your fondest memories? I used to like hang out with my friends like at the park and play a little bit of fun with them and just hang out. Yeah. That's cool. So, um... Is it, so, like, elementary, middle, high school, or is it all in one? Or yeah. Like, yeah? So, so you grew up there, you graduated from there? I didn't go to school there, but I was growing up there. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she went and moved me back and forth from Nenana to Copper Center to Anchorage. So she had to move different places. Yeah. So you moved around quite a bit? Yeah. Uh, what was that like? What was your experience with that? It was pretty hard for me since yeah. I had good friends that I'd known. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's pretty common. Eric and I talk about that a lot, actually. So Eric's my brother, and he's usually here with us. But we were kind of similar in the way that we moved around quite a bit as kids. And, like, between three places, you know, like, but, man, it was, like, three places at, like, three different times of life. You know, like, childhood in one place, adolescence in another, high school in the next, and adulthood in the next. And it does. It gets difficult. It's tiring Mm -hmm. after a while. So do you think that... um, like that kind of, for lack for lack of a better word, instability kind of attributed to your use as a, when you got into it. The thing that got me using was since my older brother that passed away to, mm. back in 2016, and it was like two weeks after my birthday, and I started using after that. Really, that's super hard, man. Where were you living then? In Fairbanks. Yeah. Was that just kind of like the group of friends you were around? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you did you find that that group was like more accepting or really welcomed you or what what kind of was your experience with that? I just make new friends and then I try to get used to it and then after a while I after last year in ta- December seventh I quit doing it. Hmm. So I've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. You didn't use before your brother passed away? No. No, like not at all, ever? I never used until my brother passed away, and then mm-hmm. after we got done with the funeral and pilot latch and all that, I started using after my parents dropped me off to Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. So what? So how old were you then? I was 22. 22, so you were, so you didn't use until you were 22? Yeah. No, yeah. Not that like there there was no build up. You didn't really, you didn't drink. You didn't smoke weed or anything. That was just kind of like not your thing. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Do you have friends that did and like? I I do and I still have them on my Facebook and mm-hmm. I talk to them, see how they're doing, and I don't talk much to them if they're using. Yeah. So um, you don't use until you're 22, and so what? For about a year or so. Yes. From 17 to December of 18. Mm-hmm. So what was that year like? It was pretty hard for me. Yeah. And it was like my, I was personally my sister and my nephew and my friends that I know and I personally when I was using. Mm-hmm. So what, um, what were you using? I was using meth and then stopped doing that and then I was doing weed. Mm-hmm then started drinking after yeah so you get dropped off after your brother's funeral and was meth the first thing you tried yes uh, if you don't mind me asking how how'd that come about i was smoking it when my friend had it and the thing is i after that i tried it once and then i didn't like it so i just went walked off from my friend yeah so they drop do they drop you off like this friend's house? No, I usually go walk around the streets mm-hmm. and make new friends. Yeah. Interesting. That's just like cuz that's I mean it's super different than a lot of the stories you hear obviously a lot usually when the stories we hear like there's a lot of build up, right? Or like kids start using mm-hmm. early in adolescence. Um like when you know when you're really curious about mm-hmm. these kind of things and especially if you're growing up in a place where it's happening a lot. So it's it's interesting, you know, that it was like kind of not for a really long time, and then, like, you, like there's no gateway. There's, like, those typical, like, gateway drugs, mm-hmm. you know. It's just, like, 
man, just was there, like, in a, in a vulnerable moment, obviously. Yeah. Your brother had just passed away just after your birthday, and, like, so you, you're, like, you're just sitting there, and your friend's, like, were you sad? Obviously, pretty sad. I was. I was yeah. sad. Mm-hmm. One of the bars in Fairbanks, it was called Big Eyes, and I was over there just drinking my beer, and then after I got done, I went outside smoke, and then one of my friends came over to me, and they noticed I was down. Mm-hmm. And they went and gave me some mess. Yeah, like got something to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that, then you only did you tried meth once. Yeah. Really? So that's interesting too. That's something we never see. You know, most people are like, once they find their drug of choice, they're kind of like, oh man, this is it. You can kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting, actually. Like, and so then after you do that, what's your uh, what's your use look like after that? After that, is it? I never used it no more, and then I start. I started doing weed with my other brothers. I got three brothers that I know, and I have a little brother that is younger, and then another brother that is older. Mhm. So I had another brother from Nanana I didn't know. So and then I started using weed yeah. with him. And you were drinking at this time too. Yeah. So what's your drinking look like at this point? Well, what's your use overall look like at this point? Like it daily, three, four times a day, once a day? I've been drinking 24-7 ever since my brother passed away. Yeah. Six, every night after I get done for work, I've been drinking. Yeah. Dang. So, so meth, the, the meth part was just like, you try it, you're like, okay, this is not for me. But then you still find that you're, you're struggling with... Um, kind of overcoming this pain so you turn to weed but what what, is, what does that look like does it feel unhealthy is there a point where you're like maybe this is too much or you know i i should i should really cut back on this what does that like what does that look like it was like it reminded me that my mom used to do it mm-hmm. and then i told myself i shouldn't have done this from mm-hmm. the get go mm-hmm. so i went and never did it again <laughs> wow so just like self-accountability sort of thing you just was it do do you think it was almost like a discovery of of what kind of person you wanted to be so it sounds like you're like that was how my mom was and that's not that's not what i want yeah because i was thinking of my nephew that my little sister had and Mm. he's only four years old yeah Mm -hmm. so i've been kicking myself every time that i did something wrong Mm. yeah trying to be an example for for the younger ones yes definitely so has this been uh, more of like a personal thing? Have you gone to any groups or anything like that? Or has this really just been your own struggle that you've kind of worked through? It's kind of been my own. So I, went, I always call my godmother mm-hmm. that I always been taking care of me after my mom passed away. And mm. When did your I, mom pass away? She passed away when I was October years old and she was only 40. And it just happened back in 2005. Okay. So your mom died when you were young, too? Yes. Oh, so does that kind of contribute to the moving around a lot? Yes. Yeah? Kind of live with, were you living with, like, different family members? Or like... Yeah, I was moving from house to house because mm-hmm. of the state. Oh, mm-hmm. so you were in the child welfare system? Yes. Okay, okay, that makes sense. What was that experience like for It you? was a nightmare for me when I was a kid. Because mm-hmm. my mom was using, and she started using drugs, the different drugs they can name from the streets, and then mm-hmm. she's... Just started drinking after, and so the state took me without letting me have a closure with my mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that is hard. 
She mentioned your you call your godmother. Is she pretty supportive? She is. That's great. She works here at the health center. This health center mm-hmm. here in Kenai. Oh, nice. That's cool. And she's a nurse. Oh, oh cool. All right. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that when you're drinking every night, is that still something that you're kind of battling with, or have you figured out? Kind of how to get that under control, or does it feel under control? Like, I have it under under control because mm-hmm. my therapist had gave me some meds that will help me control my drinking. Oh, nice. That's good. So when you were, so now like we're kind of getting into the into the build up. So you're in the child welfare system before twelve, obviously. Yeah. You said you never got closure, right? Yeah. So. You're moving around before 12. What do you have any relationship at all with your mom uh, in those few years? What, at what age do you remember that that happened? When I was eight, the state took me. Mm-hmm. You're That's eight. when they took me when I was eight years old. And then from all the years when I was born till I was eight, I had spent time before, my, before, I had, mm-hmm. before the state had took me. Yeah, so that was all with your mom, and then so what was your relationship with your mom within those four years before she passed away from when you were uh, in the system? It's been pretty hard for me. Yeah, definitely. And you said your mom was uh, using substances at that point too. Yes. So does that play in your mind? Like, well, obviously too. After you you try meth once and you don't like it, does that, like you said, does that kind of play in your mind too? You're like, you remember your mom doing it, yeah. and kind of like. So there's kind of a connection there between... Yeah, because the thing is, I have ADD and mm-hmm. she's a disorder. That's how I remember what my mom did to me when I, when she had me. Mm-hmm. Do you have a seizure disorder? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's probably... That's probably not the best drug <laughs> yeah. when you have a seizure disorder. Yeah, that's brutal. And so, what does your... Uh, what does drinking look like with... Uh, with your disease like does that play a role does it make it more dangerous um is it pretty risky yeah and i was drinking with my friends at mm-hmm. that time after my brother passed away yeah and it's like every night i've been staying up and then going out mm-hmm. walking around yeah and you're in fairbanks at this time yes so where were you where were you living at that time i was living in a group home mm. and I, after I was drunk, like a few times, I was spending night with my friend, and they let me stay in there at their place. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you were just kind of couch hopping, just kind of... Yeah. Yeah? So you were homeless? I wasn't homeless at that time. Mm-hmm. I was just, can I go to this group house when I'm drunk? Oh, so whenever oh, you were... Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So it was a sober house. So whenever, yeah. so whenever you were drinking, you couldn't go back? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. So we've had it in here before, and just like... In general, like we get it happens enough times, they're kind of like, okay, like you're putting other people at risk here. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So like when you would go out, so there were days, were there days where you didn't drink? I, I didn't really used to drink after my uh, before my brother passed away. Yeah. But then I started drinking after he passed away, so that's how it played on me when I after my brother pa- my brother passed away, and there was no one there that can help me out with how I feel. Right. So that's, I think that's big. That's a big disconnect there too. Like just in a 
personal disconnect, you know, when you kind of, you have some struggles going on internally, you have some things really sounds like from childhood that are really hard on you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, from, you know, from 8 to 22, you know, those those years are pretty tumultuous, pretty um, up and down, pretty rocky. Yeah, it was, and my little sister, she didn't know how it's, how I, how I feel when mm -hmm. this happened to me. Right. So all she has been doing is talking back to me and just arguing with me how this is going on and I tell you, you don't know how I feel from my childhood to now. Mm -hmm. And so you said you've been in recovery about eight months now, right? Yes. Um, so now in your recovery within the community, do you have, you have people now that you can talk to about this kind of stuff? Yeah, I go to this, this group meeting called AA. It's mm -hmm. called Young at Hearts. Oh, okay. Cool. And there's people there that help me with whatever I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And they're like a family to me, and I have a, another family that has mm -hmm. helped me out too. All right. So just some community supports? Yes. How big of a role have they played in your in your recovery? Ever since I first moved here, uh, my mom allowed me to go to a AA meeting mm -hmm. so people can help me out, see how I feel. All right. You say your mom, do you mean your godmother? Yeah. Yeah. So she's been huge, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Because she went through the same thing when, I, when she was my age, and mm -hmm. she's been sober longer than I have. Yeah. For ages. Right. So she's kind of been that, she's been that big support, right? Yeah. Like that pillar. Yeah, she's been sober for 37 years, so it has my godfather. Uh huh. super cool. Nice. So are those people you kind of look up to? Yes. Yeah. Some pretty good role models. Yes. That's pretty cool, man. That's really cool that you, I mean, that you have somebody like that, really. You know, do you think, do you think without them you'd be in recovery right now? Yeah. You would? I would do anything for them, that, mm -hmm. what they did for me. Yeah. I would do anything for them because after my brother passed away, yeah, my dad knows what I've been going through, which is my godfather. Mm -hmm. he, he knows what I've been going through after my brother passed away because me and my brother were close, pretty close, and he's been, he was raised and born here in Kenai. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone here in the community knowing him, mm -hmm. and they're being friends with him, and he's been working, he started working with the Astro Truckers and made a new episode with him in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Nice. That's really cool. So, since you've been uh, kind of moving forward, has there been, have you been uh, given strategies to kind of help with that sorrow? You're close to your brother. Have you come to terms with it in a sense, or is it still pretty open wound? Does it still hurt a lot? It's kind of both, but mm -hmm. the thing is, I've been talking to my godmother and my other sister and my nephew, and it's been helping me ever since then. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's really a, kind of like a testament to support and like you said that you were just looking for someone who could uh kind of listen kind yeah. of hear you out how you felt and i mean that makes me think of uh my friends in need or you know potentially how important that is to have someone to talk to you because it might it might change your life i mean it yeah. might change their life yeah because i was listening to this one song that my mom used to listen to and mm -hmm. that's how it kind of reminded me and it was by Bill Brother. It's called Lean On Me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Good one. Yeah. 
I think we all kind of need that person, you know what I mean? Or people or support, you know? There's kind of one of these things, like, mm-hmm. a thing in life where, like, it's hard to go through alone, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, first of all, it's long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for a lot of people, you know, the, what, the average person wants to be, like, what, 75? It's a lot of years to hang out by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of time. True. I think those supports, like, are super important, especially for somebody, you know, that comes from places. Yeah. Like, a place of pain, really. A little bit of sorrow. Yeah. And a lot of kind of traumatic stuff happened, you know. And to have that support is vital, super vital. And luckily, we have some pretty cool supports like that in our community. Like, what was the, what's the meeting you attend again? It's called Young at Hearts. Young at Hearts. Okay, and it's an AA meeting? Yes. That's super cool. It's like very next to the this place called Love Inc. Oh. It's, it's a church. Is that that church? Next to Love Inc.? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. We've actually done a podcast with Leslie from Love Inc. So, yeah, that's like right next to Love Inc. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. So, in your rec- like, so, in your recovery, you know, having these supports to talk to now, what is... What's that process been like from getting here, you know, what, to getting comfortable enough to talk to, to the people in your groups? When you first got to group, what was that like? I was a bit shy when I first started this AA meeting, and I didn't know what to say or what to do. Mm-hmm. And so these people came to me and know what I was going through after my brother passed away. And lots of people, like I said, lots of people know my brother because mm-hmm. he was pretty much a kind of hard person like me. And... Mm-hmm. He helped out lots of people that were going through struggle. Yeah. That's mm. really cool. So how did you how'd you come in contact with that meeting? Like how did your grand godmother or somebody kinda of point it out to you or point My you in the godmother right did and she went and took me there mm-hmm. and because she's going to this other AA meeting for mm-hmm. people her age. Yeah. And it's next to Safety and all that, and where she mm-hmm. works, and it's called URS. Oh, cool. Recovery. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. You know, what's really awesome about all this, dude, is, like, just how strong our recovery community is and how connected it is. You know, like like you said, like, she takes you to your Young at Heart meetings on, like, does she, are they at the same time, her meetings and your meetings? Well, I go by myself now. Mm-hmm. Well, she went with me from the from the beginning when I went moved here. Mm-hmm. And then she was busy after after the next day, and so I went go by myself. Nice. That's really. What was that like the first time by yourself? It was not as hard as it used to be when I first started. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's really cool. She like you kind of helped you get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Really supportive. Yeah. And it's really cool, like, all the supports that, like, we even just have in the community, you know what I mean? Like, all these different meetings for people of different ages and different, just with different needs, really, you know? That's... And recognizing that no one's really going to feel comfortable the first time. Mm -hmm. You stick around and it can really help out. And those those resources are out there uh, and available. And that's kind of uh, what we're trying to do is point people towards them as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Because, I mean, I didn't know... Even though I lived here forever, that there are different, like, young at hearts, mm-hmm. AA meetings and stuff, and just a lot of yeah. cool resources. And I think a lot of people, dude, when they hear AA meeting, you know, they're like, oh, it's in some church basement, 
and it's some guy going, hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm an addict. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, just like that, almost like kind of grim, like, stereotypical, like, meeting. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, and they're not. It's cool that, like, we have some living proof that it's not. You know what I mean? Like, and there is, like, some, just like, real, like, pretty awesome healing that can happen, like, in these oh, meetings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's purposeful. Yeah. You know? And it's gets played out through tv and it's kind of like eh but then it's, it's really a huge source of support yeah it is and then there's another thing is that my little brother he's a user too and i've been trying to go a hold of him tell him not to do this mm-hmm. or if you end up regretting it and then he mm-hmm. won't listen so he's like 20 years old mm-hmm. well maybe he'll come around and and maybe uh you'll be the support for him yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, if things go south in his life, we've seen that happen in right. pretty much all of our stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, things just uh, aren't really sustainable, and uh, perhaps you'll be able to reach out to him. But it sounds like that's yeah. what you're trying to do. So that's awesome. Because I was taking care of him when he was a kid, and he doesn't know who's the one that's been taking care of him since our mom was using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's always an interesting dynamic. You almost feel kind of like. You help raise them, right? Yeah. Yeah, more or less, because mm-hmm. you did. <laughs> yeah. So I can understand the, the intense desire for him to kind of uh, experience what you went through. Yeah. And kind of get that frustration. Because he, I mean, I don't know how close he was with your brother, but I'm assuming he it was a struggle for him as well. Yeah, and just like, like I said, all my family is still going through this mm-hmm. yeah. hard times because our mom passed away and... Mm-hmm. And our brother passed away, and then all of our fam- all other family p- members passed away, too. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's awesome that you're staying strong, though, and, and looking for support. It's hard to, to even get support. Like, it's hard to mm-hmm. set aside your pride and be like, I need someone to help me, or I need right. to, to talk to someone, especially, I think, it's almost like an Alaskan thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, I can do this. Ah, I can <laughs> yeah. punch a bear. But mm-hmm. really, you know, you're sad. And yeah. you, you need to to reach out. But yeah, it, it takes a, you got to set aside some pride for that. Yeah, I think we've said this before, dude. It takes a lot of like, a lot of, sk- not a lot of skills necessarily, but like some learned skills, obviously, like being, being able to be vulnerable in those kind of circumstances and like ask for help or like go to the meeting and actually talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like really put yourself out there and like kind of air out some dirty laundry, dude. It's like, it's a really difficult thing to do. No, it's I'm like, sure. it's not. It's not fun all the time. It's not, and I meant the thing is, I went to this place down in Fairbanks. It it was called Joe's Place. It's Mm -hmm. an indoor skateboard Mm -hmm. and a Christian place, and all the people there went and helped me out too because they knew what I was going through, Mm -hmm. and they handed me out to the Lord, and I started to follow the Lord after that. Nice, that's awesome. That's cool. So, did you work through a twelve-step program in your meetings? Yeah, I'm still doing that 12 step, and they, one of my friends over here went and gave me a book, mm-hmm. but it's the, called like Alcohol Anonymous. Oh, the AA book? Mm-hmm. The big book. Yeah, yeah, yeah the big book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's the 12 steps been like? Because, uh, I mean, obviously, having done a few of these, you know, we hear quite a bit about 12 steps. Um, and it's different for everybody, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. some general things, but it's a little bit different for everybody. What's your experience been like with the 12 steps so far? The thing is, it takes time for the 12 steps and for you to step into it. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go versus yourself going to the 
twelve steps and then right. going through each step, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to let the Lord and His Son help you out mm-hmm. and have your back doing this and all that. You have to read what it says and and just having Christians, you have to ask like your sponsor or a friend that is helping you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't so, rush it, man. A little bit of patience there. Is that is that been kind of hard? Is there times when it's like pretty frustrating, like just kind of hard? Yeah, it was for me when I first started, and mm-hmm. until I got used to it, it took me two or three weeks to mm-hmm. get used to it. Yeah, just kind of get comfortable and like. So, who do you work through your, the steps with? Just in in group, or do you have a sponsor? I have a sponsor, and I do it by myself too at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. So do you kind of just like read on your, read on your downtime and yeah. then kind of, so when you like, do you ever find yourself like posing questions to yourself? Like you read something like calling your sponsor, kind of calling somebody to I do. kind of just discuss these things yeah. with? Yeah. Who do you call? I call one of my family friends that my mom knows. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Sounds like you have a lot of support, mm-hmm. man. That's super awesome. That's really cool. Super cool. And... I still have my little sister that knows what I've been going through, but she doesn't know what, how far I've been going through mm-hmm. in my life. And I tell her that you, that you just need to go through my shoes and see what I've been through and see how it feels when you try and get frustrated at me for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's tough, dude. Those, t- those family relationships, especially with people you're really close with, I mean... They're like some of the most rewarding relationships <laughs> at times, but they are definitely yeah. some of the hardest to tread sometimes. Yeah. Dude, like, like I said, my brother and I, we, we obviously work <laughs> together. We live together. Coburn knows a little bit about our <laughs> dynamic, dude, and it oh, is, yeah. man. Like there's times like where we get along and it's like, oh, man, and it's like clicking. He's your best friend in the world, dude. Then there's times where like we're not clicking and I want to sit there kick him in the head. But I <laughs> don't. We're a nonviolent supporting podcast. I don't. Green dot. Yeah, green dot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then after I, after my mom passed away, I started doing skateboarding to take off the stuff off of my mind, you know, and it just takes time for me to practice and mm-hmm. ride the skateboard. Right. And I started to do that since I, after my mom passed away, and it, I, ever since then I've been started skateboarding. Yeah. Is that, is kind of a stress relief kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. That's fun, man. That's pretty cool. There's not. Is there a skate park in town, though? Is there one in Kenai? Yeah. 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 There's definitely one by the softball fields. Oh yeah. You go to you go to skate park, bro. I I never been to one here, and it's like I seen it before, mm-hmm. and I never been to it though. Yeah. yeah. That's sweet, dude. I have massive respect for anyone who skateboards in Alaska, given the number of small rocks you can <laughs> <probably> destroy <laughs> your day yeah. easily. But right. Still going. That's all I respect. <laughs> Beachboarding. Yeah, did you ever crash? I used to once when I was a kid. Yeah? You eat it pretty good or what? Yeah. I lost two of my tooth and <laughs> I had a arm that was this that can't move. <laughs> did you break your arm? Like dislocated yeah. or yes. broken? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Both. It's wild. Jeez. Dangerous, man. <laughs> you got back on it, though, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. sweet, dude. That's super cool. I think this has been great uh, talking to you and, and hearing your story. And uh, this is a real big... It's 
an opportunity to see how much support can really help uh, both reaching out for support, which you've done, yeah. and having support available, which we can do as a community and, and as friends and as people. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, just hearing your story and hearing how that, that seems to be the key element. I'm sure there's different parts, but really having people who can listen, who are willing to help out, that's a, that's a huge key in recovery. I mean, I think that's, a, that's great. Yeah, man. For yeah, sure. yeah. I say is it, it takes time for people, depending on how long they've been sober and all that, and how how they did it, and if they've been with the Lord, following the path, the good path, and all that. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on with us, man. We really uh -huh. enjoyed we enjoyed talking to you, and we enjoyed your story. It's it's pretty incredible, man. We're super happy for mm -hmm. you. You've been in recover. You've been in recovery for eight months now. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Congratulations, man. That's super cool. Well, uh, this has been Cobran and Aaron. And like Cobran said, you know, being either the supportive factor in somebody's life or being able and willing to reach out for support is, is key. It's, it's very, very important. It could change and save lives. Definitely. This has been Aaron and Cobran, and this is you and I for the Kenai.